0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash loss.
2: Welcome back to Brooker Mode for episode number 11. I'm joined by my pop, Alistair Peacock. Thanks for joining the show. You're welcome. So I've been starting my episodes recently with a little icebreaker question right so just something unrelated to the questions i'm going to ask so what's your favorite movie sound of music i knew you were going to say that but interesting for the listeners so the first question i have i've heard a lot of your sporting stories but i'm not too sure how you first got involved into sport so what was how did that Come about? Uh,
0: I went to boys' school, and sport was very important
2: there, and that's how I got into sport. What was your favourite thing about playing sport as a junior? Just involvement
0: with mates, and
2: friendship, and
0: playing team, playing as a team.
2: So you told me that you were selected in the first. 11, as a specialist fielder. Yes. How did that come about? Tell me that story.
0: We had in the team two very good fast bowlers, a good wicket keeper, good slips fieldsman, and I think I brought attention to the coach. When practising, I was taking catches right out on the boundary, catches that apparently were normally dropped. So I was catching the the big hitters, and
2: hence I got a place in the team. That's a great story. Whenever I get a guest onto the podcast, I like to think about how they can add sort of a unique perspective. And obviously you're my oldest guest, <laughs> 85 years young, and I've had, I think the oldest I've had on was in the 30s, low early 30s. So with that is obviously life, wisdom, and all the sporting experiences. One thing I want to touch on is to start with is the early morning exercise routine you had been doing for the last twenty five years. Yes. So every morning you got up and did how long was it?
0: Oh, fourteen to fifteen minutes. Very gentle exercises, but just to keep my my joints moving. So was that
2: the main reason for that? Helping keep you active and yes healthy.
0: I, I yes, apart from you know walking and swimming, but no longer with the cold weather. I've stopped swimming.
2: Yeah. How do you see being physically active like that has helped like your mental health and being positive?
0: I think uh, a healthy body helps a healthy mind and vice versa. With a healthy mind, it makes you realise you've got to have a healthy body.
2: Yeah. So touching on some bigger questions here, where we can delve into some of your experiences as a teacher, as a coach, an umpire, a sports player. Now, how did you get the most out of your sporting experiences as a player?
0: I I think just enjoying the game and participating with teammates. So that's what I always felt both as a player and as a coach.
2: Back in time... Back in time, back in the olden days, as I say. But nowadays, with the emphasis on mental health in sport and stuff like that, was that a, a prevalent issue back in the day with the mental side of sport?
0: Not that we were aware of. It's only in retrospect, for example, that I realise, for example, on sports day, phys ed day, when you're selecting two teams to play basketball, it was just usual for select the two normally best players and they select the kids. And I didn't realize it until later that the poor old kid who was left to last. And what I did do later, I selected the teams and I made sure there was no real last man. And that, I think, in retrospect, could that have caused some health issues with the last kid who's waiting to be, to be chosen? And usually he's the last one chosen in everything. Yeah. So I decided later on when I, I get had more experience that we've got to protect these kids, encourage them and support them. And that's the only way I th- could do it rather than letting the star sportsmen always pick the team to win and then the poor old kids who were left last.
2: So that was when you were a teacher? Yes. Do you feel like because the people who picked last, they might have thought sport wasn't for them and it's become discouraged from participating in other sports?
0: I don't know. I just felt that they were there. It was part of routine to play sport. You couldn't just opt out. So they were there and I did notice that they, they looked happier because they weren't left to last the teams were already chosen
2: yeah so you've obviously well not obvious for the listeners but I know this you've been you're a teacher so what was the you got a PhD in mathematics what did you write your thesis on
0: I did it on where teachers were taught how to teach problem solving so I then Looked at how effective were teachers who were taught how to teach problem solving as against those who were not taught how to teach problem solving. Yeah. And then looked at the results. And the results were clearly when teachers are taught how to teach problem solving, they become more effective teachers. And the students reflected that by scoring higher on identical tests.
2: Yeah. That's cool. Similar, I guess you could translate that to sport in a way. Like, because you think of coaches, but coaches have coaches as well. Yes. And it's not just about the coach knows everything, like there's always room for improvement in how you can improve others.
0: Yes, I find in life there's always what I refer to as a different perspective which someone picks up and that's where, say, in coaching – or even in teaching, where a different set of eyes um, helps a lot to identify and improve whatever you're trying to improve.
2: Yeah, definitely. So you're obviously a teacher for
0: 40 years? wasn't it? Yes, I was a teacher. Then I became a teacher of teachers,
2: Yeah, where I taught
0: students, teachers, how to teach. Yeah, And more importantly, I was responsible for the supervision of those students when they were in schools to make sure that they were given through the principals, teachers who could be effective in teaching young students to become teachers.
2: Yeah. So when you were in that sort of period in your life and you'd met your wife, you'd commitment to sport, um, teacher responsibilities, how did you manage to balance all of those priorities in your life?
0: I am sure it was a support initially of my wife. Without her support, I could not have played as much sport. I could not have studied further and I attributed it to my wife.
2: Yeah. Love that. What would be, you know, some of the the best advice you could give to younger people who are passionate about sport, like you were but then also had other responsibilities like providing an income. How did you manage to – what would you say to those people about how you can you know, do, do many things in life? I think it's a well-worn cliché,
0: a balanced life. It's too easy to become one-sided, like just play sport. And I know some people who just played sport uh, to the detriment of the lives of their loved ones and their kids. So you had to have a balance – And the same with the other way. Too much learning, too much time just spent in progressing your own uh, career, giving up time with the family. So I always found I was lucky that I had a supportive wife who would often let me know if I was going too one-sided.
2: Yeah. So having that really strong support network, I guess you could could coin it. Yep. Helped you pursue the things you wanted to while also maintaining the balance of all things?
0: I think when I reflect on life, I don't think I've come across one person, there may be, who did not have a good support structure around them to excel in whatever, whether it be boxing or cricket or any sport or even in education. And that's what I think is important, that there is that support there. And more importantly, they appreciate that they're getting that support.
2: So you've told me many times that teaching was your passion and one of your, one of your purposes in life. Originally, I really wanted to be a doctor, a medical doctor,
0: or a lawyer. But in those days, you had to pay to go to uni. And because I was fairly much an all-rounder in sport, academic achievement, the education department offered me to come and become a teacher, and they paid not only my uni fees, they also paid me a small amount of money Um for living allowance. Hence, I even looked upon being a doctor, a lawyer, as still as a teaching role and explaining. And that's what I think is extremely important, is communicating and explaining things so that other party understands why you are doing something or why you are saying something.
2: And teaching was just natural. So with all those experiences you've had from teaching, what sort of values did you get out of those?
0: I think the main thing, and I learnt that fortunately Very early in my teaching career, very early was that people are different. I came from a very narrow lifestyle. Both my parents, we had a strong Catholic background and I went to a Catholic boys' school. So that's where I think when I first went to uni, then national service and then teaching in my first year, I realized not everyone had my narrow focus of life. It was much broader. That People were different.
2: And then teaching has allowed you to understand that and cater for differences in people? Definitely. One of my likes in teaching was at both extremes to help
0: the ones who found mathematics difficult. I used to very much like to explain to them how certain things work. And I also liked at the other extreme, pushing the ones who had great ability in mathematics and challenging them so i worked both extremes
2: what would you say would be the proudest moment of your teaching teaching journey
0: i guess the greatest achievement would be getting my students to pass the junior and the leaving certificate when they had limited ability but by explaining and patience and they obvious collaboration with what I was trying to do, I think that was greatest achievement, getting students to achieve, perhaps some might say, above their abilities.
2: So you also helped a lot of Indigenous people over your journey as a teacher. How, how long did you do that for and give an insight into the viewers?
0: I retired early due to my wife's ill health then she recovered, and I was asked to go to an Aboriginal remote community to teach those who wanted to to become teachers. The feeling was you don't want the white man all the time in the country with the Aboriginals or First Nations people. It was preferable to teach them how to teach so that they could Teach their own. And with that, my wife had recovered, and we went and taught in a very remote Aboriginal community where not only I felt my understanding was broadened, because whilst a lot of my friends, when I was young, and in my first year of teaching, most of my football team were Aboriginals, I did not really understand the culture. And I learnt that living among these people, uh, a long way in remote in a remote area.
2: So I've often noticed that a lot of the teachers I know, like the young teachers that I'm friends with, they're often some of the nicest people. Do you think? Do you think it's those sort of people who go into teaching, or teaching helps people uh, broaden their perspectives and become, you know, better people? People, Good question there, because two of my sons,
0: my two sons, would have been brilliant teachers. They love explaining and showing you how certain things work. But they became, one's a chemical engineer, and one became an industrial chemist. They would have been great teachers. But they, in their opinion, were not happy with the way some students treated teachers. So they decided, I'm going to do what I love doing, and that was in the maths and science area.
2: Let's go into a bit more um, sports-specific stuff. So what are some of your favourite memories playing sport over your journey, whether it's hockey or the footy?
0: Again, I guess always being part of a team, but on one occasion, I in a, in a game of hockey, I... Thought I saw an opening, and I did not play what was the team structure. The move I made came off, but the captain, an Olympian hockey player, castigated me for moving away from the team effort. In other words, I went sort of solo because I saw the opportunity, and I think that was always on my mind that uh, again. Team structure is important, but I also sometimes felt that you've got to have a little bit of judgment of your own. If it comes off, that's great. If it doesn't, perhaps don't do it again.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good. I love that. So I've got... I'll play the sound for you, which is pretty funny because it's a stop for pop sound, but...
1: Stop for pop.
2: It's not a question from you to you, but I've got a bunch of questions... From the audience, which I think are going to help steer the conversation, because there's some some cool questions here. So the so Henry Wernley here asks, what still motivates or inspires you in life? Helping people. I like to think that
0: I have certain, if not skills, I have certain resources uh, where I can help people when they need help, and that's what
2: keeps me inspired carry on um,
0: trying to help people
2: so I got a good one here from Spencer he asks do you think having teaching experience helps coaching Do those skills translate across definitely I'm not saying that coaches have to be teachers
0: but I have found that people who are teachers became better coaches because they understood people have different skills They understood that people needed to be treated in different ways. For example, I once was watching a game of football when a very young but very good footballer made an awful mistake and a goal was scored. And I said to the person with me, I'd pull him off, but he wasn't pulled off. And in one minute, he absolutely got back that goal and the coach at that time, was a Westport coach named Campbell. And I learned then also that, that talking to him afterwards, good coaches know when players know they've made an error. You don't have to haul them off. You don't have to d- discipline them. They know they've made the mistake and they were rectified. But some players, unfortunately, may have to be uh, told what the error was.
2: Yeah, I like that. I think the skill of a coach is to get the most out of the player for the benefit of the team. And all individuals vary in the, in their needs and what is the best coaching for them. It's a skill that coaches can deploy that, you know, as you said, some some players you can sort of leave them be and they know how to be good team players and do the right thing. And then some sort of need bringing back in because they're a bit more exuberant
0: and that can only come about by knowing your players and that's why i say good teachers you've got to know your students their strengths their weaknesses same as football players you've got to know their strengths and weaknesses and that that i think carries over greatly from teaching skills
2: yeah definitely so mum here has asked how has having grandkids involved in sport helped keep your interest in sport alive i always love watching my grandkids play.
0: You should know that. Yeah, I know. I started as soon as the first of the grandkids started playing sport. I felt, one, I wanted to be, to be there, let them know that I'm interested in their sport, and hence I even, in fact, have this year not gone to Eagles games because I went to see my grandkids play instead. And I shall continue to do that, not because the Eagles aren't doing well. <laughs> I even will do it if they were on top of the table.
2: So you've probably been to about 400 of my games, if i played that many, 300 across my junior, senior, playing for school and club and cricket as well. What? Here's a question, am I better forward or backman?
0: I would play you in the middle, <laughs> in the centre and tell you, use your speed, use your strength, and use your kicking to get that ball and direct it to a forward. That's where I'd play
2: you. Back where I used to play? Pardon? Back where I used to play?
0: Yep, in the midfield. And yep, because you've got, to my opinion, you've got all those attributes.
2: Yeah, uh, one day we'll be back there. So I've got a question here from Toby. He says... How do you feel that your grandson supports Geelong and not the Eagles?
0: From memory, I think that came about from my grandson, that's you, your other grandfather. From memory, I think he supported Blue and White, which was East Fremantle, or it might have been when he was playing in the country. Then your dad followed on, and I think that's where you got the bad habit of continuing to follow the Blue and Whites <laughs> rather than the
2: Eagles. I'm not too sure where it originates from. The earliest memory I have is dad paying me to support long but who knows all I know is that I've seen a lot of success and I don't really accept failure <laughs> I think I think that's conditioned me into think that it's normal but I've st- the only time since 2007 when I started supporting them I've only missed finals once and have won four flags since obviously last year was the most memorable for me because I was old <laughs> enough to remember it cuz the older earlier premierships were a bit out of my memory
0: well I was saying to your mum only yesterday after listening to your interview with the
2: rower. Johnson, yeah. Johnson.
0: And I was very impressed with his answer that he felt more achievement when he rowed with you in the Hale 8 and they came second rather than the year before when they won the head of
2: the river. Yeah, because I think he justifies that by the fact that he didn't think that boat got as fast as it could the year before. So they won, but he thought they underachieved. Even though they won, but they, he felt like the boat had so much more potential. Well, mm. he felt like the boat we were in got the most out of it, and I guess that's good that he feels that way because then he's not basing everything on outcomes. He he's he's all about can we maximise what we've got, and then we can be happy or content with the outcome because we've we've reached our potential.
0: Yes, it, it's it's achieving to the best of your ability. You've put everything into it and you've tried your best. And sometimes you don't win, but you do win in as much as satisfaction that I did everything I could.
2: So to finish the show with a a few, I want to have a few, like, I'll call them wisdom questions. I guess that comes with, with life and being the oldest guest I've had on and being, you know, really intellectual and having a lot of good experiences... I think you might be able to convey to the listeners some really good points here. So, uh, what is what has life taught you?
0: To be tolerant, to understand people are different, and to help people in both teaching and coaching to achieve to the best of their ability. Also, it's taught me, more importantly, the importance of family.
2: Yeah. I think if everyone in the world had your values and behaved like you, or treated treated other people the way you treat people, I think we'd be in a completely different world. So on a similar sort of question, but what has been the biggest challenge of your life? I've had many challenges,
0: some that I overcame and some that perhaps in retrospect I did not, if not accept those challenges, I accepted them, but I did not meet what, in retrospect, I perhaps could have met the challenge. Do
2: you have any specifics? Or is that just...
0: No, no. I think one of the specific challenges that I had was possibly to make up for my size when I played football. And hence, the coach found me a role to be what we call today a midfielder, but we used to call him the rover, the guy who was relatively small not big and strong, but fast enough, and again, I think being team-oriented.
2: Yeah. Do you think that's obviously you have been a lot of environments, I would call them, whether it's teaching, classroom environments, whether it's sporting environments as a coach, player? What do you think are some of the most important elements of successful groups, successful teams, successful environments? What makes a, a team a group of people thrive
0: I think in a team whether it be sport or even a classroom I think that all the individuals are encouraged to support each other same as in a classroom I was quite happy in the days when students never left their desk I was quite happy if Johnny felt that Bill or Mary could help him with the problem he was quite free to move to the desk to get help if I was somewhere else as long as it's done quietly and vice versa if a student found that another was having trouble to get up and go and help them and that is what I try to foster that we help each other and I always have felt and still today some of the greatest teachers are the students in your classroom
1: because
0: mm. they understand Perhaps sometimes better than us, how their classmates are thinking, and hence I always encouraged to help each other.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I reckon that's very, a very important trait for a group of people. What do you think? I guess we can say life. You're 85 years old. We we can we can we can use that word. What has life taught you about yourself?
0: I. I think the best thing I learned in life is to be tolerant and understanding.
2: Yeah, I know we said that before, but like, what has it taught you about yourself as a person? Like, who, like, what has it made you realize about yourself that you're like, you've reflected and thought, okay, I'm actually a a very caring person. Um, What has it made you think about yourself? That I'm okay. (laughs) I'm okay as a person. Hundred percent. More than that. So, I got it. Just. Three little rapid fire questions. I think I might know the answers to this, but for the sports lovers, it could be might be interesting your responses because it. All, I feel like it's funny because you could hardly know someone, right? And then you start talking about a sport and saying like, "Oh, who's your favorite player?" Or this player's not that good, and it just creates this random argument. People get so passionate. It's amazing how sport can be like that, isn't it? So. Who's your favourite ever AFL player? Gary Ablett Jr. Same as me. Is it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, apart
0: from his skills, I admired the way when he got absolutely pummeled, he just kept on playing football.
2: When there was a true tagger.
0: Yep. He just kept playing football. So he was the best I've ever actually seen play. And his father wasn't too far behind, actually.
2: So you think Ablett's better than Judd? Yes. And you've been a West Coast fan, so that is no bias. Look, Judd's Judd's brilliant. He's in the top handful.
0: (laughs) And I'm trying to think back. I think Judd was a great player, no doubt about that. But he did have stars around him. Ben Cousins, Daniel Kerr, Cox and the Ruck, Embley on the wing. And I think he had a better... Team around him than perhaps Ablett did. Although he did have Chapman. No,
2: no, he did at Geelong. But the mate, I think the thing that puts a stamp on is that it we went to Gold Coast. Yes, and he had absolutely nobody, and he still managed to win a. I think he won a Brownlow there, and he kept getting award after award by himself, pretty much, which I think proved that he could do it with a great team and without. So Correct. That
0: that's a good point to make because had he not damaged his shoulder. Oh, he would have won another there was,
2: one. There was, but he was te- he was like eight votes ahead. Was he okay in the brown? There. there was no doubt that the Gold Coast
0: would have made their first time in the finals.
2: W- but it also shows they are way too reliant on him.
0: True, but what he also had a great capacity to do is to bring other players into the game, mm. and I noticed that in the modern day with Tom Hawkins, yeah. Tom is no longer needing to score all the goals.
2: Well, he he's got the. I think it was like the fourth highest average goal assist per game. Right, where you pass one off, yep, directly and they kick a goal. It's at like point eight. Yes, it's like the fourth highest ever. So, right.
0: well, I, I enjoyed seeing him pass to Young Stengel when he could have easily just got that goal. He's probably fifteen meters out in front. Stengel was having a hard day. He was. Right on the goal line, and he hand pass to Stangle. He
2: does it every game. He does, but you, s- that was you, s- you see some players like mark it in the 50s then they just turn their head, yeah, because they don't, because they just want to have a shot. Right. But he always looks to see if there's a better option. Yeah, a lot of that comes from like not also the ability to bring others into the game, but being ha- uh, happy with yourself and like not having wanting having to prove like kick goals to prove, and also just having good being a good team player I guess but a lot of the people who do just want to kick goals I feel like it's because they just want to have the goals in the stats column
0: Yes, there is with some players but I think when a player reaches a level where he understands that not just his teammates not just his club but even the general public have put him on not a pedestal but reckon he is a great player he can afford as it is to do things that a struggling guy who's struggling to prove himself
2: tries to do it himself. Yeah. Well, there's meant to be a rapid fire question, and it's gone on for two minutes. But the last two ones here, just we won't expand too much on them. But the best AFL game you've ever watched, or seen live?
0: Oh, the Eagles grand final win you, in two 06, yeah. 2006. You went to that?
2: I went to that one.
0: Yeah. But I also saw the losing grand final. Oh. At least you made up for it.
2: <laughs> Favourite cricket player ever?
0: Justin Langer. Um, Not because he was a great cricketer, but I think Justin is one of those guys who got the best out of himself. He had to work hard, he was brave, and
2: he was,
0: to me, a real team player as well. And that's what made him such a great coach.
2: Yeah, I think... He was a great coach, but what happened happened, didn't it? Yes. Anyways, that sums up the show, but thanks for coming on for a little talk. I guess we've had hundreds of these talks before. Yes. But this is the first re- recorded one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening, guys, and thanks for coming on Pop. or Alistair Peacock to you guys. You're welcome. So research, try and find you don't know where
0: to go. So many thoughts flood through your mind. You're confused and want to know. Mystery, what is to be? So much more than meets the eye. Listen to me, time is your key. You'll find out by and by.
1: Hold up.